0: Hello, gisters. We're doing something new today. This is Ellen popping in before the podcast officially begins with some exciting breaking news. Today's episode was supposed to be about a potential NWSL labor strike because a collective bargaining agreement had yet to be reached before we finished recording the episode at about 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Monday, January 31st. But of course, shortly after we recorded, news broke Monday night that the NWSL Players Association had ratified the league's first ever CBA, and the NWSL's board of directors is expected to do their side of the ratifying today, Tuesday, February 1st. Keep an eye out for more details in tomorrow's newsletter, but some of the highlights of this new deal include a 160% increase in minimum salary to $35,000, and essential player safety protections include up to six months paid mental health leave, which is just so big after a very tumultuous year in the NWSL. With this update in mind, we still think today's discussion is an important one as we get into how the NWSL reached this moment, some sticking points for the players and the importance of advocating for labor rights in sports. It really is just such a big deal. Plus, in addition to the NWSL discussion, we talk about the latest on Tom Brady because of course we had to. And we're also chatting about the WNBA free agency. It's a good one. So all to say, congratulations to the players. This is a huge moment and one we're excited to dive into in future episodes and newsletters. But for now, enjoy this conversation from Steph and I before we heard the news. It's like Inception! Tuesday and happy February Justers! Welcome or welcome back to another episode of The Gist of It. Today is February 1st. We're your co-hosts. I'm Ellen Hislop. And I'm Steph Rots, And we are kicking off the month with a jam-packed episode. We're talking about some potential big money moves in women's sports with the NWSL possibly heading for a labor stoppage and the WNBA beginning what is sure to be a wild free agency. Labor rights and women's sports, which is a
1: topic that is truly what dreams are made of. But before we get into the that dream topic of mine. I have a few questions that I would like to run by um, Ellen Hislop here. Okay, so the first is, what's going on with Tom Brady? I can't, um, I just can't understand what's going on here.
0: Million dollar question. So I feel like most people probably would have heard by now that ESPN dropped this bombshell news Saturday afternoon saying that Tom Brady was retiring. So Cue the tears, cue the sadness, cue closing time on Spotify. Then a few hours later, Tom Brady's agent is like, actually, no, this isn't real. Tom Brady is still thinking about things. Bruce Arians, who is the head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was basically like, we haven't heard anything from Tom Brady ourselves. So Adam Schefter from ESPN basically had to walk back his bombshell breaking news probably the biggest news of this NFL season and everyone now is kind of like what the hell is going on what's happening and conspiracy theory stuff are literally running rampant
1: okay give me one example I know we probably don't have time for all of them
0: but what's what's what is the conspiracy theory so yeah so with this one stuff there's a lot of people who are questioning if this leak was done on purpose because Tom Brady is normally pretty tight-lipped and you would think that an announcement like this would come from the goat's mouth himself or from someone he really, really trusts within his camp. So they're normally pretty private and keep things secret until they get to control the narrative about what's happening next. And so there's a lot of folks online that think that maybe – they did this leak on purpose to get the attention back on Tom Brady or potentially on Tom Brady and start the conversation again because we are recording Monday evening and he is apparently dropping a podcast Monday evening slash Tuesday morning where he might be talking about different types of things. So some people are saying it was done on purpose to maybe like get the conversation going early or when he says, just kidding, I'm not retiring to basically be like, F you to whoever leaked it. I'm changing my mind or whatever. The second idea that people have is that February 4th is apparently when he would get his season's bonus. And obviously he did well this year and he would want to get paid and he doesn't want to say that he is retiring until February 4th. So the leak could be true and it could be from a credible source, but he is not going to say anything until that money is in his bank account. Stop. Okay. So we'll
1: have probably a little bit more of information at the end of the week. So I will mm-hmm. circle back to you, Ellen, on that one. And I do have another question completely unrelated to this, and I promise it won't take up much time. So on Sunday, there was the CONCACAF qualifiers where Canada's soccer team played, U.S.'s soccer team, and won against yes, U.S. Canada the men's won. teams. The men's teams. Thank you. And they played in Hamilton, Ontario. And Ellen and I are very familiar with the Hamilton, Ontario region's weather around this point in time. And Ellen, you played soccer growing up. And so I would really like to know, if you were playing soccer outside in negative six degrees Celsius or negative 11 real feel with the wind chill, wouldn't your feet hurt every single time you touch the ball? Like, Would you kick the ball and your foot be in pain? Or am I being a little bit dramatic and, and their bodies would be warm? You
0: are being dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I love you, but but yes, no, that, that would not happen. Okay. Obviously, they're freezing. And the fact that both the Canadian men and the American men were wearing t shirts and shorts, a lot of them without leggings or long sleeves underneath, I'm like, y'all are crazy. Like, put on some therma wear underneath your uniforms. I don't know what was going on there, but they would warm up, the ball would be cold. But they would be okay. Okay. I just, the whole time I was like, this has got to be painful. I need to ask Alan if this is just like my own brain thinking here. I love the drama. Bring on the drama, Seth. And (laughs) we're going to be having a lot of drama on today's podcast. So uh, why don't we jump into that?
1: And we are back, and we will be getting into today's main story, the looming work stoppage in the NWSL.
0: As always, let's start with the context. So today is supposed to be the start of the league's preseason training, which is when players report to their teams and start preparing for the season ahead. It's typically an exciting time in sports that signals games are just around the corner, but there's one major problem this year. There's still no collective bargaining agreement, a.k.a. CBA, in place in the NWSL. Before we go any further into
1: this story, let's quickly recap what a CBA is and what it does. You might remember our recent conversation about the ongoing CBA fight in baseball, so in pro-men's baseball, which we discussed back in episode 131. A CBA is a written legal agreement between an employer and a union. CBAs can cover a wide range of details related to how the employer and the union interact like, you know... Wages, hours, working conditions, terms of employment, and so on and so on. So they're really important documents in terms of protecting workers' rights. But while in the baseball example with the MLB and the MLB Players Association, while they're negotiating for a new CBA because of their old one expired, the NWSL's Player Association or the NWSLPA is advocating for the league's first ever CBA. So this isn't like a renegotiation. This is the first CBA and it will be the 10th year of the league. So they've never had a CBA in all of these 10 years.
0: Caps off to our labor queen. I absolutely love the definition, Seth. It's so helpful for someone like me. And your point about the league never having a CBA is a very important one. For comparison, the W signed its first ever CBA back in 1999, which was only three years after the league launched. So this NWSL CBA is a very long time coming, especially when, you know, the NWSL, I think was 2013, but there was like the Women's Professional League. Before that, there's been many iterations of women's pro soccer in North America. And it's also coming at a really crucial time for the league. We've discussed this many times on the podcast, but last season was a very tumultuous one for the NWSL. Five male coaches out of 12 teams that are in the NWSL were ousted due to misconduct and abuse allegations, allegations which came to light primarily because players, current and former, were brave enough to speak out. This really
1: underscores the importance of this CBA and why these CBA discussions can be thought of really in the context of player empowerment. Mm. So before we discuss what exactly players are advocating for in this CBA, let's chat about the timeline and how we arrived at this moment and where a potential strike might be looming. The first efforts to reach a CBA in the NWSL date back to 2017. So as Ellen mentioned, you know, it, we've been in this league for a while. So in back in 2017 when the NWSL PA was initially formed, so the Players Association was initially formed, the work began again last March under new commissioner Lisa Baird. But Baird resigned last year amid the aforementioned scandals
0: surrounding the league. Another key moment came last July when the PA announced their No More Side Hustles campaign, which raised awareness about the other jobs NWSL players were forced to hold to support themselves given the way too low NWSL salaries. For context, according to the Players Association, one third of NWSL PA members make the league minimum salary of $22,000 per year, and approximately 75% make $31,000 or less, which is just atrocious and not sustainable at all. And because of those low numbers, some players are working as many as three other jobs to support themselves, hence the No More Side Hustles moniker. It's a perfectly named campaign.
1: It really gets to the heart of the matter. And if you go on the campaign's website, for comparison, the minimum salary in the MLS, which is the men's North American Soccer League, is 84,000. So that's their minimum. And even a reserve player in that league makes a minimum of $65,600. What was the minimum here? $22,000
0: in the NWSL. This is so absurd. It's ridiculous. And we see this even in the WNBA a lot, right? Steph, like the highest amount that a WNBA player can get paid before bonus is about $500,000, whereas the lowest an NBA player makes is, I think it was around $900,000. So we see this disparity in leagues all the time. And I think the biggest thing here is Steph is like players do enjoy to have side hustles. You look across all pro sports leagues, you see athletes, having side hustles for fun when they want to. KD is investing in a bunch of things. LeBron has his own production stuff. Megan Rapinoe is writing a book, all of that sort of stuff. But I think the difference is for NWSL players that aren't like the Megan Rapinos of the world, right? They're forced to have these side hustles in order to live. LeBron, KD, whoever you want to say it that are these rich, really famous men's athletes, they're doing it to make some extra income. The NWSL athletes are like, I need to post on Instagram in order to make ends meet. And it, it's so different. We see this a lot with
1: women's hockey too. And with those men that you mentioned in terms of having sad hustles too, they can probably afford people to assist with their yes. daily life. Like whether that's like, Meals, rides, um, cleaning services, like these are things that they can probably afford Mm -hmm. so that they can, you know, do these other side hustles and things that elevate their overall portfolio as an athlete versus someone who literally has to do it Mm stress-wise in order to survive. And this is always what I keep in my back pocket when I'm arguing with bros about women's pay in sports because it's like if you want the game to grow, you need to invest in it, right? And it's
0: like so infuriating that that is like base what we're asking for here. For sure. A lot of these men have a lot of time and money to be able to spend on their body and on their mental game and to get better at their sport. Whereas a lot of women athletes don't have the time, don't have the money and are still trying to put in the work while managing all these other jobs, being teachers, posting on Instagram, doing XYZ, doing all of these speaking engagements. And I think you want to get to a place where it's a player's choice. Like if you look at Sidney Crosby, arguably one of the top players in the NHL over the last decade or two now. It's crazy. It's been a decade or two. He has no social media. He honestly barely does anything <laughs> on the side. He takes an endorsement if someone approaches him. Like that is where we want to get the women's game to where it's an option. It's not a must.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He shows up to like a fun Tim Hortons commercial and that's the extent of it. <laughs> <Anywho>. <laughs> yeah. Let's bring it back to the CBA here um, and to the present day and, and this whole timeline of, of events. As we mentioned earlier, the NWSLPA tweeted out last week, negotiations for this CBA began nearly a year ago, back in March 2021, before last year's season even began. Here is a key takeaway from that tweet that we just talked about. So they wrote, quote, the NWSL and the Board of Governors have our final proposals and can vote to agree to a contract that values and protects us as players and moves the league in the direction that we all know it deserves to go. End quote. So
0: speaking of this where it deserves to go. According to the NWSL players, there are two main priorities. The first is salary and the second is free agency. In some way, increased salary seems to be easier of the two to outline and agree on. As mentioned, campaigns like the no more side hustles expose the need for increased wages or as we said, sustainable wages. And if we're looking at the WNBA's 2020 CBA, that was something that the league and the players, All wanted. So we're hoping that the NWSL and the NWSLPA are on the same page with that at least. But for this podcast, we want to focus on free agency for a little bit longer because it is a bit more complicated and important in this conversation. A free agent is basically a player who is not under contract to any specific team and therefore eligible to sign with another team or franchise. Most teams have a free agency system. You've probably heard about this before from, you know, the MLB to the WNBA, but the NWSL doesn't actually have a free agency system. That's a huge problem. I think a a lot of folks might associate
1: free agency with (laughs) big checks and Mm -hmm. huge salaries, but it's so much more than that, especially when we're talking about the context of the NWSL. At its core, free agency is a way for players to take more control over their careers and then also what that means is over their own life. It allows them to have some say in where they play, which in turn impacts who they play with, like coaches, you know, teammates, um, but also where they live. And for some players, what that means is where they're going to raise their families or where they are raising their families. And because the NWSL doesn't have a free agency system in place, even veteran superstars can be traded against their will. The anxiety that I get thinking about that and just like the mental health toll, I'm sure that this has played on so many had on so many players because that they can just be moved whenever
0: it's just oh it's terrible mm-hmm. I mean here's the deal right like I think people know when you're getting into pro sports, you're gonna get traded you're gonna get moved around you are a pawn in a chess match and that's kind of what you sign up for but there's also the free agency that you think that's going to come along with it where there's going to be times in your career where you're outside of your contract or If you are, if you don't have a no move clause, anything like that, that you want to be able to make the decisions. And when you're thinking about, you know, where they want to live and where they want to raise their families, I automatically, Seth, think of Kawhi Leonard leaving the Toronto Raptors after winning an NBA championship, probably could have won another NBA championship. But he was like, you know what? I'm going to go home to LA because that's where my family is. And that's where I want to raise my family and my kids. And an NWSL player would not have the same opportunity that Kawhi would have in that situation.
1: Yeah. And again, the same financial um, luxury in terms of, you know, when you're being reallocated and staying. Mm -hmm. There's like there's so much that comes with the lack of funds and compounded with the lack of agency like free agency is just a mess.
0: Yes, it's like compound interest in, <laughs> in the stock market. We're looking at this with like compound free agency. And I think all of what you said, Seth, and what we just talked about so clearly highlights why establishing a free agency system is such a high priority for the NWSL players, While the league might be on board with a high-level free agency plan, we think they might be resistant to a few details. Like, Obviously, they need a free agency plan. They see all of these other very well-established pro sports leagues doing it. They know they need to have one, but it's the details of the system that are up in the air. These players might go for an approach similar to the WNBA, where free agency status is determined by how long you've been in the league, but for The owners and the league, when they're looking at their teams, that might mean that they could lose very important veteran players very soon. And the league and the owners wouldn't like that. Like if you're looking at your roster and you're like, oh, my gosh, that means that Christine Sinclair could go tomorrow. No, I've set up my team around her they might push back on the players' demand and set up barriers to obtaining free agency because of it or at least obtaining free agency this year in this CBA in the way that the players want it. We should note that Meg Lindenhan of The Athletic reported
1: that tentative agreements between players and the league are in place thanks to more than 35 bargaining sessions. But on top of the details of free agency, a major issue is when exactly the CBA will take effect going off of what you were just talking about, Ellen.
0: Yeah, all this to say, so much is on the line with this CBA, but we have to end on an encouraging note, a lighter note. The hashtag #ContractNow has been tweeted by NWSL icons like Alex Morgan and Christine Sinclair, but maybe the best part of it is that the MLBPA, the WNBPA, and the PHF Players Association have also voiced their support with the NWSL, and we just love to see that.
1: We got to show up for one another. I do love to see it. And it goes to show that this is so much bigger than one league and one collective bargaining agreement. It's about power and empowerment to players. Hear, hear. All right. Thanks so much for sticking with us after the break. And you will be happy
0: that you did so because we have some news for you today. Juicy. Juicy. And it's juicy because the WNBA is in its free agency season. Teams were allowed to talk to players starting January 15th. And today, February 1st, is the first day deals can be finalized. And I love me some free agency season. And can't wait for the NWSL to have that one day too. Again, as Steph mentioned earlier, or was it me? Can't remember. A free agent is basically a player who is not <laughs> under contract to any specific team and therefore eligible to sign with another team or franchise. And today we'll be focusing on the unrestricted free agents with a few exceptions these free agents are players with five or more years of service who are then free to sign with any team provided they are not designated as a core player by their prior team so a core player is someone who is not allowed to negotiate with other teams the player is guaranteed a one-year supermax contract aka big money contract which they can extend but teams can only core a player for two seasons so it's almost like you know when you're voting for the president and it's like you have four years and then you can say vote again and it's like here's your two years core player
1: Love that comparison. (laughs) Just like in the NWSL, free agency conditions were a key part of the WNBA's 2020 CBA. Because of those agreements, the number of years players needed to be in the league to obtain unrestricted free agent status decreased from six to five. And there are a lot of unrestricted free agents this year. Um, This year's free agency period is bound to bring A lot of drama right to the W's doorstep because of this. There are 39 unrestricted free agents in the WNBA right now. Uh, Five former MVPs could be on the move, along with seven of the 10 players from last season's all WNBA teams. And quick definition, what an all WNBA team is, it's an honor bestowed on the best players in the league following every season. So it's, it's, these are the best of the best. News is changing very fast as we're chatting. Things are going on. So we'll link a live free agency tracker from our friends at Just Women's Sports in the show notes. So go to the show notes, click on that to follow along. But without further ado, here are a few
0: players that we are keeping our eyes on. Okay, I have one ado. I do just want to also say, as we're talking about the CBA and the WNBA and the NWSL CBA, the CBA, too, with the W that they signed in 2020 was really groundbreaking in terms of motherhood and maternity leave, too, and I'm very curious yes. to see what the NWSL does on that as well.
1: That is a really good point um, and very, very important when we're talking about, um, you know, all of the
0: intersections with workers' rights. Yes, and women's rights. So that was my ado, yes. But But um, – Now we're getting into the further ado. First up, we need to talk about the Chicago Sky's Courtney Vandersloot. Vandersloot signed with the Sky as a rookie in 2011 and helped lead the Sky to their first franchise title last season. There's no other way to say it. Vandersloot is an absolute baller and one of Chicago's very best. But right now, she's an unrestricted free agent and has had multiple meetings with other teams, according to the Chicago Sun-Times. We should also mention that her wife, Allie Quigley, also plays for the Chicago Sky and
1: is also a free agent. So who knows what this movement could mean if they're going to stick together, if they're going to stay put. I don't know. There's just – that's context.
0: Oh, I want them to stay together
1: so bad. Especially for the the movie. Like, the, it's an inevitable movie, right? It has right? to be. So it's like <laughs> – It has to totally. be. Totally. If VanderSloot leaves the sky, she joins Steph Dawson – Also known as, this is her Instagram handle, Big Mama Steph.
0: (laughs) Absolutely love it. Wait, Steph, please change your handle to something similar. You sometimes go like Lil Rotsy, but Big Mama Steph, like, oh, Baby, I freaking love that handle. Steph. Steph Dolson, let's go.
1: I do a little Rotsy because my brother's hockey name is Rotsy, and I'm his younger sister. Oh, cute. And just context. Okay, okay there's yeah. context. Okay, so allowed.
0: I'm going to – Big Mama Steph. I love that. <laughs> I can't wait to meet Steph Dolson in person, and she. I'm going to call her Big Mama Steph, and she's going to be like, who are you? Anyway.
1: Dolson has been with the Sky since 2017, but she has reportedly agreed to a multi year deal with the New York Liberty,
0: her hometown team. Mm-hmm. And what's so funny about the WNBA stuff is that, like, we already know this. They released this information on January 30th, two whole days before deals were allowed to be finalized. And there is no other league. Better than the WNBA at spilling beans that should not be spilled. Like these players and these sources love to leak it, and they don't care. My favorite leak was that the
1: um, Seattle Storm it like put on their Twitter page that Sue Bird is coming back, but she was. <laughs> a free agent so they had to delete the post because they couldn't officially announce the signing until
0: feb 1st and i'm just like that came from the team it's so funny there's there's no other league that's like this it's, it's truly not it's truly a w issue but it's the best issue ever from a fan's perspective But I'm going to keep this New York train going, Steph, because we have to talk about Brianna Stewart. The iconic Seattle Storm player is an unrestricted free agent, which is news in and of itself because the Storm had the decision to designate either Stewart or Jewel Lloyd as their core player. And on January 14th, they went with Lloyd, basically signaling that they thought that they could sign Stewie without needing to have her as a core player, then them thinking that Lloyd could actually be picked up by another team. But sources say that in January, Stewie met with the owners, full front office, business leaders and the coach of her hometown team, the New York Liberty, which thinking of Stewart and Sabrina Unescu and just like that entire New York Liberty team, Natasha Howard, like I, it would just be insane So Sue Bird, as you mentioned, Steph, is returning to the storm for another season, even though we're not supposed to know that yet. Sue Bird is reporting to the storm. But Seattle without Stewie is going to be something or could be something. We actually don't know this one. We know Beans have been still on this one. But Stewie without Sue Bird could be interesting here. Selfishly, um, just based on proximity
1: to Toronto, New York Liberty is my team. And so I I would really love Stewart to come to that team. It'd be a party. Yeah. And Stewie herself said, quote, this free agency is probably going to be the biggest free agency since our new CBA, end quote. So who's to say maybe she'll be her own self-fulfilling prophecy here. Maybe she was, you know, dropping a little Easter egg here for us
0: (laughs) with that note. A little Professor Trelawney action for all of my Potterheads out there. Okay.
1: On top of all of this, the New York Liberty could be eyeing yet Another New Yorker in the Washington Mystics, Tina Charles. Charles is an unrestricted free agent as well and is coming off a season as the league's lead scorer. But at 34, Charles has never won a championship and she's made it clear she wants to do so before she retires. So if she doesn't think the Mystics have a valid shot, you can bet your socks she'll be weighing
0: her options. So... Another New Yorker in the mix. Mm, we love New York. So does Taylor Swift. It's it's drama. It's intrigue. It's WNBA free agency, baby. It's like the best episode of Selling Sunset, but instead of E-Network, The Washington Post or Just Women Sports is tracking it for everyone. And this is the type of must-see Twitter TV, I guess we can call it, that we love. Yeah, I'm putting those noties on, baby. Oh, here we
1: go and with that that marks the end of today's episode thank you so much for tuning in if you want to share your thoughts about the podcast if you want to get in touch with us you can email
0: us at pod at the just
1: or follow us on twitter at the just pod.
0: and with the olympics starting on friday you better believe thursday's podcast is going to be some sort of olympic theme so get ready for that on thursday but in the meantime if you enjoyed today's episode we would love for you to rate review and subscribe to the podcast rating and reviewing five stars, please. This episode was edited by Brianna Ekinem, executive produced by Lauren Tuscola and Courtney Shin, and co-produced by Steph and me. Again, I'm Ellen Hislop. And I'm Steph Rotz. And this has been the gist of it. Have a great rest of your weekend. Get excited for the
1: Olympics. We'll be there on Thursday.